Hello and welcome to another episode of Flux to Pose, delivering to you a delicious slice of geek culture in weekly audio format. I am Jason Lacey and I am joined by Mr. Lucas Rose. Greetings. We are your hosts with the most and you threw me off with that, your nerdy <laughs> Conan O'Brien greeting voice. That is my natural voice and only... <laughs> Only you people can hear it at uh, one time. Very perfect. Very perfect. Well, this is our show. This is the 89th episode of Flex to Pose, recording on Monday, the 16th of November, 2015. We are happy for you to take your time out of your week to join us. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to your nightmare, this destruction path of despair. As Lucas likes to say, a sinking ship of despair that is a yes. podcast. We will discuss many things, such as, well, we always say many things, but it's usually video games, video games, and more video games, but occasionally we talk beer, we talk movies, there's these other things we discuss. Yes, this is true. But usually not. But hey, that sometimes that's the case. I do, because there's no other spot, it doesn't really fit with what you're playing, I'm just going to throw this out there now, because we haven't, we haven't like focused on it a little bit. Um, I had a new beer over the weekend, and I'm going to have mm. to... Where is my telephone? Because I'll have to look it up on Untapped to remember the name of the brewery, because it's kind of interesting. Uh, 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 uh. So, it, it uh, I was at World Market, and it, I've, I've been... It's, you know, it's getting colder, so it's, you know... As you can probably appreciate, it's stout It's stout season time, so... Yeah, I, I I wanted, like, a heavy, overpowerful... You know, like imperial stout of some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I wanted like a large, a large bottle of something to just take home and try. So let me find it here. Sure. Here we go. It was uh, the airing of grievances. <laughs> okay. Which is definitely a Seinfeld reference. Uh, the brewery they're out of Chicago, and it's I'm I gosh I'm not even gonna I'm gonna butcher it. Like their logo is like a, a number the number one the circle around it. And I believe it's Unani Brewery, U N E A N N E E, with an with an accent over one of the E's. So I wouldn't. Mm. I, I'm not sure what the correct Unani. I'm guessing maybe is the correct pronunciation of that. But it, it was a Russian Imperial Stout. Um, ah yes. Ten point six ABV. Holy shit. Uh, Seventy two on the IBUs. So the funny thing is, I was actually having that. Uh, well, we actually, Justin and I had, I made you know, dinner that night too. We actually cracked open a, a bottle of Aldi wine that we've had sitting <laughs> oh, around boy. for a while. You know, and actually, it's not that bad. I mean, we're not big wine people. I mean, it tastes like wine. So, um, yeah. Sipped on that, and then I was like, oh, time to get on. So, not only had I had, you know, a couple of glasses of that, and then I busted open that, that, uh, stout. I think I was drinking that. Was I drinking that when we were playing on Saturday night? Uh, no, because we played games on Friday night, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this was Saturday I had that. But, uh, you know, it wasn't bad. And it definitely, I like the description on the back. It actually, it talks, it has some more Festivus references. So if you're not familiar with Seinfeld, uh, George Costanza's character in the film, his dad, because of uh, an incident in a department store when he's trying to get a, a toy for George, he denounces Christmas and he creates his own holiday, a Festivus for the rest of us. And that was the, there's the poll, the Festivus poll, but that's how Festivus uh, begins was with the airing of grievances. And they have, you know, this 
people are gathering around the table. He's like, I've got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. And that's the airing of grievances. And Festivus does not end <laughs> until the feats of strength, where you have to, George would have to pin his father. That's the only way Festivus ends, the feats of strength. So, um, yeah, it was. They, uh, they actually have a they have another one called Feats of Strength. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's also a Russian imperial stout. Thirteen point five percent alcohol. Wow. So, uh, you know, I I enjoyed this one. It had um, very like a not not a whole lot of chocolate like taste on like smell on the nose, but you could get that like that chocolate and then like a malty um, scent, and then the taste it had. Um, for being a stout like that thick, you know, it was really thin with the mouthfeel, and uh, there wasn't really any alcohol taste to it. Like it didn't have like this, like wow. you know how, how like dragon's milk has, you know, more. You're really getting that that kind of alcohol back taste. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, and it just didn't really have it. It had like a really slight chocolate taste, really kind of smooth overall, and um, which is kind of dangerous when you're drinking something that uh, that heavy. But uh, well, yeah, it was good to. Good to. I'm glad I, I picked it up. I was actually hoping to find maybe like the take the black stout or something, but uh, I almost. What did I almost pick up? There was oh um, well, I'll, it's perfect. Perfect segue. I almost picked up the one of the last tasting beers that they did on Tap the Craft was their. Uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the brewery now? It's the Pump King by. Uh, oh gosh. Oh a, um. And that's in a large bottle as well. Wait, Pump King. the Pump King was what we Southern did on tier. Battle of the Beer. No, but that was Pump Kick. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> uh, not to be Pump confused. Kick. So Southern Tier Pump King was one that uh, Tap the Craft, uh, Denny and John had just done. And I almost picked that up, but then I ended up going with the Stout. So, And while I'm thinking of that, I would like to call attention to those guys and what they do over tap the craft congratulations on making the top 20 i believe was correct uh list on itunes for uh beer podcast so that's nice awesome congrats to you guys and also thank you for polluting the last couple minutes of your show with a uh, conversation about us and our battle of the beer video glad you guys enjoy it and thank you for uh the continued support on our much delayed offerings in <laughs> the YouTube market. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll get back on that. We had uh, a few life events happen as we've talked about a little bit on the show, just here and there. I think. Yeah. In. You know. Yeah. You know what I found with beer, Jason. What's that? Lately, I found that actually lately I've I've enjoyed it more as it warms up. And I know they say that you're supposed to not like drink it straight from the fridge. But I think that's no, kind of right. a bad habit that we right. acquire in America due to our, you know, regular beer that most people drink. Uh, but yeah, like as I go through Untapped and rate these beers and stuff and kind of let them sit, I've noticed I I end up rating them almost half a point higher after I let them sit for a little while. So. Okay. I don't know. I uh, expert. Drinking tip, I guess, for oh, all yeah, the and certain, at certain home. styles, you know, <laughs> do better at you know our different temperatures. And you should do that sometime. You should get you know two of the same kind and leave one in the fridge and let one sit out, and then do a taste to taste. Yeah, I find see, the darker see what you like different, or see what you can pull out of. I know. find like the stouts generally like the chocolatier, um, darker roasted flavors. Um, are the ones that benefit most from leaving it out to warm up a yeah, little bit. Yeah. So 
yeah, I don't know. Just something I've noticed. I mean, before, probably like five years ago, even I'd be kind of, I'd turn my nose up at it, even though I did drink craft beer at the time, but you know, I wasn't as heavily into it as I am now, I would say. So, right, right. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's good to get back to our roots of beer. We used to always talk about it a lot on the show, and it's been a while. You know, I think we kind of uh, got away with that because we focus on that to be our you know our visual medium. But it's good to yeah, good to bring that back. So I, I more importantly than the stout, I was just kind of I needed a break from drinking home brew. So you know, not that there's anything wrong with. It. I did find <laughs> that the second I'm in a different case, and I find that this one had a little more spice. So I, I really have a feeling that the uh, everything's going to get. Uh, mixed up too well because the I had habanero habanero peppers in the secondary, and I have a feeling that when I went to bottle, like I'm assuming, you know, since those peppers were kind of stayed in one spot, most of that spice was kind of in that same liquid area. So I don't, I just don't think that there was a really good flavor and dispersal, like mixing. Yeah, because yeah. you got to be careful when you're when you're putting anything in the bottle. You don't want to, you can't get it. You don't want any sloshing to occur because you don't want to get that. You don't want the beer to get oxidized because that's going to give you off flavors and things like that. So um, you can't stir it. You just got to be really careful. And and if, when you're siphoning it out, you know, typically, you know, just the siphoning is gonna that's gonna create a circular motion. And usually, and that's typically enough just to you know mix up your sugar and things like that for bottling, but, uh, you know, something with more flavoring like that, it's probably going to have to actually stir it. So just a mental note for next time. It's kind of nice. It's kind of like a grenade. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get a really spicy batch, or (laughs) you're going to get, you know, more passive. You just don't know. Well, when I tried it, I liked the one I tried, so I can't. That that was like the Lucas um, on on the hotness rating. That was like Lucas hotness for for me because I'm a baby, as you know. So I I appreciate when you gave it to me that it was the non not spiciest version, I suppose. Yeah, but it was good. There you go. Well, perfect. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, nobody else will because you know it's here. It's not. It's not there. You know. Yeah. Be, be that as a man. It's neither. It's neither God, here just, nor there. Just save me, Lucas. Tell me about some games you play. <laughs> okay. Help me. Yeah, here. for sure. Let's do well, this. I this can... is the time. Let's just do some what you playing, sir. All right, let's do it. Okay, go. I love that one. That's that, my favorite. People need to just get. Uh, well, I would say just do an emulator. No, just do YouTube. So that's you know we won't we won't encourage you to do emulator, but just look up Captain America: The Avengers. Do the Sega Genesis version because that has the better sound effects. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Those were the days, weren't they? Yep. Um, so, really quick, most of this will be shows and movies because I played more Stick of Truth or, tr- you know, trying to focus on that so that I can complete it, getting yeah. further in that, doing mm-hmm. some more Titan questing. Mm-hmm. Probably we'll be doing some tonight, actually. Um, so, nothing really new on those fronts. Uh, but I did watch on Netflix, there is a show that. Aziz Ansari, ah uh, yes, um, has come out with called Master of None, and I like. Should, should I, I like prepare Aziz. for you and Mike for Michael and you to make many quotes to the show, and for me uh, not understand well, them? I, I got there before Michael did. Michael like usually is the one. Yeah, see, well, that's a good example. Usually, Michael is, um, you know, suggesting to me something I should watch, 
but I got to this before he did. Okay. And so I told him he should watch it. So yes, you probably will still have to, but right <laughs> now there's only 10 episodes, so there's not okay. a lot of um, fodder there quite yet. But what there is, is very good. I would recommend watching it for sure. It's kind of a, it's definitely comedy, but I wouldn't say it's overly comedy. Um, there's a little bit of romantic drama thrown in. Uh, there's an episode, actually the second episode is fairly unlike any other. It's all about your parents and basically how we take things for granted. So, um, one of the characters, dads was like, can you help me fix my iPad? It used to ding every time I need to do something and now it won't ding. And Aziz is like, well, you can't, you can't, you ha- it doesn't just transfer over automatically your schedule. You have to put it in again, or you have to transfer it yourself. It won't sync up by itself. And he's like, well, can you do it? And he's like, uh, I don't really want to right now. I'm, I'm supposed <laughs> to be going to the movies and I really want to see the previews or something like that. And then it'll flash back to his dad's childhood where like, Pretty much everything he was ever interested in was considered to be like superfluous and he never had a chance to really get into like mathematics or computers or music or anything. And it's just a great like juxtaposition of of Aziz complaining completely about like the five minutes it would take as compared to basically his dad's entire life being, um, you know, kind of snuffed when it comes to anything that he wanted to do. So it's it's just another example of different comedy. So I really appreciate that. It's not the the office or Parks and Rec or anything like that. I would just recommend checking it out and giving it a couple of a couple of episodes see if you like it. It's it's not as it's not traditional comedy, I would say. It's definitely it almost looks like a movie actually. Every episode is filmed with a very movie-esque quality as opposed to like Seinfeld or Parks and Rec or anything like that that are very bright. This is mm-hmm. more just typical I don't know, just movie style. I don't know, it just looks good. So hmm. check it out. Okay. I, it was hilarious. I laughed my ass off. So um <laughs> it's it's not a joke a minute show, but when they do when there are jokes, I laughed anyway. So and when it's not when it's not joking, it's still interesting to watch. Gotcha. Uh you had mentioned the imitation game probably a few shows back now. Oh yes. Uh, that quite a few that you guys had watched and uh I finally got around to watching it as well and I enjoyed it. Uh, it's the I won't go into it too much but it's the Alan Turing um story about how he helped crack the Enigma machine in during World War 2. So it was it sounds like it would be boring but it's actually not. My only my biggest complaint is probably that it's like 10 to 15 minutes too long. Maybe mm-hmm. um, it was interesting, but there towards the end, like after the the whole spiel kind of wrapped up, I just kind of felt like, OK, you know, like you did it or whatever. So there, there's just no sense of urgency, I, I find. Um, and then I finally got through. So these are that was one of my Netflix DVDs. And then these other two movies are my other Netflix DVDs that have been just hanging around for like two weeks <laughs> or three weeks. Hanging out. Pretty much. So um, this next one I got because I wanted to watch it back in October, but I got so busy with other stuff that it just, again, hung out. And that movie is As Above, So Below. Uh, I think it is 
or it was a horror movie that came out maybe last year or two years ago. And I don't know anybody who really watched it or anything. I didn't realize this at the time, but it was, it is a um, found footage movie, which, well, (laughs) I mean, Creep was a found footage movie. Yes. So I was very well um, reminded of like what a good found found footage movie could be versus this one. It doesn't have to, it didn't have to be found footage. If it wasn't found footage, it probably would have done a lot better it basically got killed as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes or anything like that. I think it's like 25% or something like that. I actually didn't mind it that much. I thought the setup and the story was actually pretty good. Um, the whole idea is that this, it, it's a little bit like Laura Croft or Indiana Jones meets like haunted house kind of, they go down into um, the Paris catacombs, which are, they're, re- they're real catacombs. They were built to hold a bunch of the dead back. Like, I don't even know. I don't know a lot about it, but there are real catacombs underneath Paris that are filled with bones, basically. And so they're going down there because this girl who's a um, archaeolo- or archaeologist or something, I don't know. She is trying to find this thing that her dad was looking for, and it is the Philosopher's Stone, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> but other than Indiana that, Jones everything already else. Found that. Yeah, well, she found it again, and so the premise is that they go in these catacombs and they need somebody to to get them to where they think this this um, um, tomb is. I can't remember whose tomb it was or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But she thinks that this that this um, philosopher's stone is there. Yeah, sure. Why not? And King Tut. Belmolta. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying random Warcraft characters at this point. Oh, okay. Thrall, uh, the Lich King. Uh, <laughs> so they go and they have to find a guide and they find somebody who will take them to the catacombs. And unfortunately they can't get to the part that they need to because the catacombs don't extend that far. However, there was a breakthrough um, from the surface and that has happened in other areas where there are catacombs. So that kind of led them to believe, Hey, there is something there. We just need to cut through to get from the catacombs to wherever this secret entrance thing is. And so this this guide helps them out with that. And when they get down there, they kind of end up getting trapped. And they find out that, as the movie is called, As Above, So Below is kind of one of the things that are down there. It's kind of one of the beliefs that they have. So when, they, when they're above, so to speak, they go through this whole catacomb slash tomb system and end up in the below part, which is kind of hinted at as hell. And so everything is kind of like mirrored from that, from their perspective. So it had a kind of almost like Zelda temple ish feel to it. And the lore behind everything was actually quite interesting. And I wish they would have done a better job of delving into that. So the world was cool. The setup was cool. I liked the idea that they were going down and trying to find this thing. But again, there was no reason for it to really be found footage. I think it just made it so that they could afford to make the movie. And, um, there are some like cliche moments and stuff like that. In fact, it's not really that scary. They set it up mm-hmm. that you think that something's going to pop out and it does. But once you have gone through it all, you're just kind of like, oh, that 
That was just a jump scare for the sake of a jump scare. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but there were some good parts. There was a part where a guy gets stuck. He's uh, He gets super claustrophobic and he actually does a good job acting it out. I, I kind of got a little claustrophobic myself. I was like, dude, just get out of there. Like, I would hate to be stuck where this guy is right now. And he starts freaking out. And he really looked like somebody who was freaking out from claustrophobia. So... It was it was a surprisingly okay movie. It wasn't total garbage. I just okay. wish they would have done more with it. And I think it had potential. So it's kind of a bummer to see it wasted on a found footage movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, the usual like who found this, who edited it, how am I watching it right now? You know, that whole all those found footage problems right. exist. The questions and issues and Yeah, exactly. Uh the technical things. And then lastly, I've actually seen this movie. It used to be streaming on Netflix, but they took it off a long time ago. And I had a a kind of itch to watch it again because it had been a few years. And that movie is Sunshine. Uh, If you haven't seen this movie, it is a kind of space sci-fi horror movie, but... Not so much as like Event Horizon, if you remember that movie from the '90s. It's not quite that far, yeah. But yeah, yeah. think in that, think in those veins. So they're living in a world where they have to reset the sun, basically. And there was a first ship that went out, identical to the ship that they're on, and they need to. Um, they're kind of the second try, and it's the last try. It's humanity's last hope to basically take this bomb into the sun and kickstart the the sun so that because like there's an eternal winter going on with earth right now it's too cold i mean you can still be on the you can still be on the surface but they can't <clears throat> farm or anything like that and so the story basically is them deciding as they get closer to their objective whether or not they should change their direct um tra- trajectory to meet up with the first ship because there's a distress signal that's um, kind of going off and they, they catch it because that they've been gone for like seven years or something like that. Cause it takes a while to get to the sun. Right. So yeah. they've, <laughs> yeah. no one should be able to survive that long, but there is a, that distress beacon going off. So of course they, you know, they have to try. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's, I really like this movie. I wouldn't say I wouldn't give it five stars, but I'd give it a solid four. The yeah, I, there's I like just this a one. yeah, there's like a stylistic choice that I couldn't decide at first whether or not I liked it. Like when you see the bad guy, there's kind of a weird, shaky, like blurry camera effect going on, but it leaves a lot of questions unanswered, and I like that. And I also like not being able to see the monster. I don't like when you see what's going after people because you're not really afraid of it when you can see it up close in HD and um, you know, like everything about it here. It's more of like a kind of that blurry shadowy figure. So I would definitely recommend it. It, You don't have to watch it near Halloween or anything like that. It's a, it's a very good sci-fi movie that makes me want to like play dead space or something like Ah. that. So, so yeah, I actually got those like those three movies in in the course of like today and yesterday. So I really uh, overdid it with the movies, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my been my week. 
as far as what you're playing goes. So, ah, very good, very good. Did you mention South Park and Titan Quest? Yeah, I just went. I went over them real quick. I, I know you mentioned I, South I'm, Park. I couldn't remember about Titan Quest, so I just yeah, still Titan Questing, still trying to get through Stick of Truth. Really, just buckling down on those two so that I can feel like I finished something and instead of starting game game after game after game, which has been before South Park, I've been kind of on that kick again where. I made a list of like, these are the games that I'm playing currently so that I can, you know, I have 10 to choose from. So I don't always have to play the same thing, but I at least am working towards these 10 to get them completed. And I haven't been sticking to that list at all. It's been more like, oh, what do I feel like playing? I'm going to play this. So mm. right, yeah, that's kind of that's that. kind of what happened with both of those games. So two games I wasn't working on, but now I'm hopefully committed to them. So. It's funny that you you mentioned that because you know lately, like I haven't like during the weeks I hardly I hardly play anything because, um, you know I just don't feel like it, or you know we're you know Jess and I are watching we're watching some shows and stuff and then like finally towards the weekend I had you know some downtime and it's like oh I could play something and I just, I'd come down here I fire up the PC and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I'm, what am I gonna play you know and I'm, like she'd be watching something, so you know the t- the you know TV TV wasn't an option, so you know would be on PC, and I'd go through my Steam list, and I'm like, man, I just nothing, nothing here is like exciting me, mm-hmm. or you know grabbing my interest. So it's just been it's been a bit of a struggle in that regard. So uh, unrelated. So I well I guess I should continue with it, continue that that train of thought since I did set it up. So I went through my scene list and I've been looking at, you know, what, what are some of these games I haven't, you know, haven't really played. And, you know, you and I played a little Rocket League, but what was, uh, what was that uh, game that had the free weekend trial? Oh God, Graf. Yeah. G-R-A-V. So Graf, Graf was this game we tried to play. It's another one of those survival build them up stuff. It was Crafting. like a sci-fi setting. So I install it and then I couldn't even, this is the joy of PC gaming. You know, I couldn't even, I couldn't even get the game to like launch. Well, I get the game to launch, but I couldn't even connect to a server. And it's you know, it's a combination that I have Windows 10. That's most of the problem. But couldn't even play that. And uh, you know, I played a little awesome not just to you know suffice the evening. But uh, <laughs> the the next day, I was like, oh, I've had this game in my my list server, and it looks kind of cool. It's tiny and big. Was it uh, Grandpa's Grandpa's undies, underpants or Grandpa's something? Grandpa's underpants, yeah. or something like that. I was like, oh, I got it. You know, I was like, oh, I should fire this up. So I. Launch the game and it, it you don't you don't even get a, like a menu or anything. It just takes you right into this this scene, and there's like there's like this car and the one character's talking and like the radio's talking back and forth to him. And I tell you what, I uh, I don't know if it was again Windows 10 or a bug with it, but it, it would just keep looping that scene, and there's nothing I can do. I could no commands what? on my keyboard would do anything. I couldn't access a menu. It would just loop that same scene over and over, and so every time I'd have to force quit the application. So Windows <laughs> Windows gaming. If I if I was ever making a case for you to not be a PC gamer, this is this is it. I guess right now. <laughs> so yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, that's why I ended up just playing uh, Awesome Knots, and then uh, there was some other game I was going to play too, and I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I don't know. It just was a kind of depressing night, and I was like, "Man, this is this is what I'm missing out on, I guess, huh?" So 
haven't missed anything with gaming, I guess, you know. Um, with related to, you know, we got the Star Wars Battlefront lunches tomorrow. So prior to that, they they reopened up on their, I had played this during the beta, they opened it up on the website and they, in the Battlefront companion app, it's Star Wars Base Command. Now this mm-hmm. is a companion to the game, mm-hmm. like you, uh, you can earn stars in this, a certain number of stars equal credits. So you get, you earn credits in this mode that you can use to unlock things in the game cards that you get in the game you can use to build your deck in base command so the way base command works there's a card system and there's a you have a base at the center it's kind of think of like tower defense in the way you have a base and there's a radial grid around the base and units spawn in and each turn move towards your base certain units have different perks and abilities different movement rules and you have cards that you use to destroy them uh like you have a soldier you may get an x-wing a t-47 um an A-Wing. So you got different vehicles, different units, different uh, other weapon cards you can use, and there's always like a total number. You have to destroy the, all the waves, and depending on your score, you're in certain stars. So I think there's only like 10 missions right now. 10 sieges, I guess, is what or 8 sieges, excuse me, is what they're called. So I've been trying to 3-star all those, and it, it's just kind of fun, because it's kind of a cool little like tabletop-like diversion for Star Wars, and it's just fun. Even if you have no interest in playing Battlefront, it's it's a cool little Star Wars game and i'm sure they'll be releasing more sieges uh when the game actually launches tomorrow so i've been messing around with that uh it's there's an app like i said or you can play right on the ea star wars website uh and uh yeah do we continue jessica's journey to the force awakens with episode one the phantom menace this uh past sunday and i have to say i have not watched episode one since i I mean i have it on vhs so i'm sure the last time i watched it i was probably 16 or 17 years old and there's so much about, like, that movie I don't quite remember. And I'm sure there's a lot of, like, specifics about that movie I didn't understand at the time. Just because I'm a little older, a little more mature. I can read into themes and understand pieces, certain things of dialogue better than what I did back then. But mm-hmm. um, I have to say, I didn't really find it that horrible. I know there's a lot of grief given to Aeon Jar Jar. Even that, I don't find Jar Jar. I mean, yeah, he's... Things he does are very beyond believe like he's very clumsy things like that and it's if he's very much just there for like comic relief type you know a character but even that i didn't find him to be so horrible and even the you know jake lloyd yeah some of the some of the parts his dot like his the writing for what things they had him say is kind of cringeworthy but i mean overall i mean i didn't i don't find those parts of the movie bad i think overall i just don't really care for the whole naboo thing you know i don't care for their like their starships and mm-hmm some of that side of things. But I mean, the cool thing about episode one is what the whole focus is, is, you know, it's knowing now after reading the book, some of the books and things like that, I've watched on the films. It's just cool to see what Palpatine is orchestrating. You know, his, you know, he still has that, that cover of being Senator Palpatine and he's slowly orchestrating, you know, this corruption and this, this backhanded dealings to, you know, a start this whole war, but how he manipulates and uses uh, Queen Amidala to a you know remove Chancellor Valorum, get himself elected as Chancellor. It's just ah, uh, it's just cool stuff, cool stuff to see, and it, it was fun. And the pod racing's cool, and but definitely, man, Darth Maul is such a cool character, and <laughs> the 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 drasticness of going from watching you know episodes four and five and those lightsaber duels, and then jumping back to probably one of the best ones in the series of you know Anakin of uh, Obi Wan. Uh, Maul, 
and Qui-Gon fighting together. Plus, you got the Duel of the Fates. Corn on the cop <laughs> going. I mean, just like the speed uh, and the action in those lightsaber duels is crazy compared to what we see in the, the original. Just the speed and the everything. So, My only cool. problem is too much jumping. Everyone's <laughs> jumping all the damn there's time. There's a lot of jumping. And, and Darth Maul has so many kicks that they, they never seem prepared <laughs> for after he keeps kicking them in the face and he just keeps landing that over and over. They don't adapt. But... Um, Jessica, I, I, I was kind of worried of how she would react to this one. And she, sure, uh, it, it, it is. She didn't hate it, but it's definitely her least favorite in the uh, the saga so far. Which I agree. Okay. I mean, it's just it, it it feels like Star Wars, but definitely seems a little little out of place. But uh, wasn't uh, it was what it is. So we got it's a lot that. of politics and stuff. There, like that. There is like that. So the I mean, I was, ex- I was, prequel. yeah, and I was explaining a lot. She's like, I have no idea what's going on. So I would, you know, pause and I would give my insights and things to explain what's taking place. So, um, it's fun though. I'm looking forward to next week, you know, episode two. And, uh, I had, you know, posted online about that's why we'll jump right into this next point. Cause that pretty much wraps up my, my, what you plan. But, um, I had seen videos and people talking about this online, but I, you know, tweeted about my viewing and then, uh, Nathan, our friend, Nathan from that's entertaining and other shows. he, he sent me the link, told me to watch this video, and it's this 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 fan theory that Darth that uh, Jar Jar Banks is actually a Sith Lord, <laughs> and this is like a 14 minute video, the specific one. Personally, well, I'll give my opinion at the end, but it gives all these points and examples from that movie and the second one of why of, that Jar Jar what, Banks is more than what he seems. What's the best example? What's the what's the best like the big hitter that? Like would really change your mind if you uh, thought. I would. I don't think there's any one thing that stands out as itself as changing my mind. But all these things going together make it could be plausible. Okay, that the fact that okay, starting off that there's there's no that he shows incidents of being of having like his physical traits, like things he's able to do. Like for they show the sequence when he jumps into the water when they're taking him to the Gungan city. He jumps like over 10 feet in the air, does these spins, <laughs> you know, that looks like it's only something that could be force-assisted. Um, there was this part where they're first in the Naboo City, and he, he like, falls off this balcony, but it, I, what appears to just be an error in the animator's rendering, he falls, like, in a different spot than where he shows up in the previous scene, so it attributed that to some sort of force ability that he used to, like, jump or something. So that that's, sure. that's a bit of a stretch, but, I mean... There are several instances where shows where he's talking or he says things and he waves his hands and they're attributed that to doing like a Jedi mind trick because there's so many times and they're saying that he's these things that he has said, it's actually him manipulating all these characters and all these scenes. And it, I, I just think it's very, very, very coincidental because he's just <laughs> yeah. he's just very animated. You know, he's very animated. I can't think of uh, like a specific things here, but. And then, you know, why would Palpatine have, you know, Palpatine had known him. Palpatine was from Naboo. It just seems apparent. Why would he keep him around And, and it, besides just being a puppet? Because, I mean, it, Jar Jar is what, you know, how he be, gets gets the emergency powers. Jar Jar is the one that nominates, you know, does mm-hmm. sends that nomination in the Senate. Uh, it's just a lot of things like that. Or, like, the part where he's in the, the large battle uh, with the Gungan army fighting the droids. And, you know, this part where he, he dodges a laser blast and then he has this, 
you know, this droid stuck. He, he kicks that one droid and he gets like his foot and are stuck in the cable. And then he's kicking that droid around. And when it lands, it shoots the blaster. Well, he, he's a Sith. He's he's because there's a scene. He's, he hits the one in front of him. And without knowing the ones behind him, he just flips around and lands the kick and hits the blaster shot. <laughs> and, like he's force intuition that he, you know, lined this up. So, and even talking like his his fighting technique style was like the, you know basically the, you know the drunken master from martial arts. I was and just going to say drunken this, master. Yeah, this whole thing, and I mean, I think I personally feel like it's really, really stretching and reaching here. It's to fun. try to make this. I mean, it, it is fun, and when you, if you watch the whole video, it definitely you can see how this you know these conclusions work. And the main theory was that this was what what uh, George Lucas had written all along. And there was going to be this big reveal in episode three of him, you know, being helping, being behind all this. But because there was such backlash and hate towards him in episode one and two, they rewrote all that. And then you got Count Dooku thrown in there. And that's why it's so much of Dooku's backstory or Dooku seems like such an empty, hollow character because it was originally intended to be Jar Jar in that role. They had to create Dooku to fill the void by writing Jar Jar out of that. See, Here's the problem with the theory, though. If he really was a bad guy, if he really was a, a Darth, he would have died in the first movie because all good, all good evil <laughs> characters in the prequel die in the movie that they're showing. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So that was the thing, and then now the main th- the theory was that wrapped it up is that Jar Jar Binks will return in Episode <laughs> Seven as Grand Admiral Snoke. Played oh by Andy God. Circus, I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, come on! But it, it is a fun kind of cool, you know. It's fun to. I mean, there's a lot of stories to back it up, and I guess there was a. I think there was a Reddit thread too that went along with it. it it's just a fun little thing. I, I don't, it, I don't give it any plausibility at all because I think it, it was reminds, also JJ had said that they were going to show Jar Jar's like skeleton in the desert, you know, and Jakku or something <laughs> like that. I don't remember. And, and everyone cheered. Yeah. I, it reminds me of that thing about how um, all of the Pixar movies happen in the same oh, universe yeah. at different times. And the except thing for about that the, one was the, more plausible. The witch and, and was it the witch and brave is actually Boo from uh, from uh, Monsters Inc. and she's learned to time travel using the doors because she's looking yeah. for Sully. Or... And Brave is like the first. I think it was the first one or close to the first one. Yeah, and then it so, goes through all the. It's way. cool when yeah, there's some crazy fun, stuff. you know fan theories and stuff like that. But uh, this is just a little bit too much. It's cool, cool to put it all together, but uh, you know, it's we'll just we'll never know. Uh, we'll just never know. We'll never know. Oh, what do we got, Lucas? How long have we been doing? We've been doing this about what thirty five, forty minutes. How about we do a musical break right now instead of okay? We'll take a little music break why now. Don't we just, and we'll do the why news. don't we just move it here permanently forever? Because it's Forever? been working out that way. <laughs> it has been working out well, especially if you have enough. If you have enough uh, drivel, you know, beforehand. So uh, we like to feature a remix each week from a great website called Overclocked Remix. It's a online uh, remix fan community uh, for video game music. So uh, this week, it's Super Mario Land. Our remix is Seven Pipes to Heaven. Our remixer is Nostalvania. Uh, uh, gosh, Super Mario Land, let's see, was released on the 1989, wow, released in 1989 for the Game Boy, released by Nintendo, um, this looks like the song remixes the main, 
uh, background music and uh, background music number one and number two. This is a kind of another jazzy remix. I guess I've been on that kick lately. Nice. And it, it helped that this one was on the front page of the site, so it grabbed my <laughs> attention. Have to dig very far. No, so this is Seven Pipes to Heaven, and if you like this remix, you can find so many more over at ocremix.org.
There you have it, folks. We, we just came back to the music. We just had a conversation. We were talking about how here in Michigan we have a lot of craft breweries, and I, I, I you know, the people always say that bubble's going to have to break. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna come apart. And then, you know, we're talking about what's saturating more than that. Well, vapor stores. So, Lucas, please share your observation. Oh, I said there's a there's a vapor store connected to every Boost Mobile store that's out there. So, <laughs> I mean, I, you get your cell phone, you get your your vapor juice or whatever the hell it's called, and away you go. I know there are a lot of people who vape. I mean, what a great idea, right? It's smoking indoors, but it's not smoking. Yeah, I I can't really say a whole lot on it, but you know, you know, government's going to want to step in at some point. Oh, we need to regulate this and. This and that, or something's going to happen. So, well, I've seen. I was at a coffee shop that where somebody was told that they couldn't vape in there because they considered it to be smoking, which it isn't. It's vapor. It it has a very faint smell, but I mean, it's not really. I mean, I've seen people vape everywhere. And nobody cares really. So, I was. I, I I hate it because I, I understand both sides. You got the business who says, well, you're a customer and I, you know, can I have the right as the business owner or whatever to kick you out for any reason, basically. Or at the same time, I understand that vaping isn't hurting anyone. Plus, she was sitting at a table by herself. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty sure nobody complained because there was like five people in there. So it's just one of those weird things because, like you said, if they do regulate it or if they do bring attention to it, maybe it'll be a good thing because there's no question, you know, because it's kind of up in the air a little bit. Yeah, It's not smoking, but it's also still you're blowing your air and your breath into everybody's faces. So thanks for that. Ah uh, well, there you go. That's our. This is welcome to Smoking Cast here yeah, on Flux and Ghost. Well, it we goes along experts. with the smooth yes. <laughs> That's true. Yaz. <clears throat> well, let's talk some news, hey, shall we? That's what we we're supposed okay. to do here. Enough of the vapor. Let's do the news. Boom. Okay. Uh, starting off, we have it, 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 as a. Gaming as a whole, not so significant, but at least in one segment, we've had our first Nintendo Direct since Satoru Iwata passed away earlier in the year. And um, this was led, at least here in the, the American version, was led by Reggie Fizeme and um, Bill Trennan from uh, Nintendo of America. A lot of, uh, well, I mean, they they came right now. First of all, I expected, like, you know, people, there's been a, like NeoGAF, there's been a lot of data mining, things like that people have picked apart. And, um, like, right away, they didn't even waste any time. Like, the very first thing they announced, they, like, confirmed was that Twilight Princess HD is uh, coming for the Wii U. So, hmm. that got confirmed right all the way. Um, rather than go through piece by piece, so the three things that I, t- I took away that I thought were notable, we had Twilight Princess HD, they again reiterated and said that Zelda Wii U, the new Zelda game, is coming to the Wii U in 2016. And then people were like, oh, yeah, it'll be a dual release for the NX. Yeah, <laughs> Just like what happened with Twilight. The- yeah, like what happened with Twilight Princess in the first place. And then uh, the big news that they show, showed right at the very end, they announced a new character for Smash Brothers, Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. How the hell so, did they pull that off? I don't know, but now well, people are like, are we going to see, like, you know, is we're going to see Final Fantasy 
Sephiroth. Nintendo again. So that was huge. There was like a Midgar stage as well. Uh, real quick, though, other things they showed that you learned by this direct is like Nintendo's pushing Amiibo like crazy. So there's a the Twilight Princess HD is coming with a bundle for a, a, a wolf link. And uh, I can't remember whether it's the little the chick that rides on him. Uh, I can't remember her name. Anyway, um, there's the... Oh, yeah. Lun- no, not Luna. I don't remember either. Starts with the, something similar to that, but you know what I'm talking about. So there's yeah. that. There was, like, new content coming to Triforce Heroes. There's this Pokemon's Mystery Dungeon game. Uh, more, uh, uh, like, a web browser search for Super Mario Maker levels. New Splatoon content, maps, items. A free-to-play Pokemon game. Uh, Mario, Mario, uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, which is like a Mario RPG, uh, Mario Paper RPG mix-up. Uh, they're bringing the original Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow to the 3DS eShops. Midna, uh, by the way. Midna. Midna, there you go. More Amiibo <laughs> were announced. I uh, got a release date for Far- Star Fox Zero in April. There's this new Final Fantasy game called Final Fantasy Explorers coming to 3DS. There's a female Link called Linkle. That's going to be in Hyrule Warriors. They ga- they <laughs> dated uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection for 3DS, which I'd like to pick up. There's a gold Mega Man Amiibo. Uh, there are new Fire Emblem games, new Dragon Quest games, another Bra- uh, Bravely Second, the sequel to Bravely Default. You know, these are all a lot, ton of RPGs were announced for 3DS, and then uh, Pokin, the Pokemon fighting game, is coming. They got a date for that for Wii U. So, there's a ton of content there. Um, so at least 2016 is looking better for you know Nintendo, but I mean really this yeah. is really just it's good that at least you got some high notes. I really do hope that Zelda Wii U is a thing that it's a legit Wii U game because you know with all the NX stuff they really do need some more some more you know love for that system. So the there you go. Wii U. That's yeah. That's that's all of that in a nutshell from the Nintendo Direct. And I saw this little nice little piece here. Super Star Wars is getting re-released on the PS4 and PS Vita. There you go. I believe Isn't it's part that the of... one where like... Um, oh wait, no, that's not... I'm thinking of uh, the Japanese one. Where like Darth Vader turns into a scorpion when you go to fight him. Yeah, whatever, that's the ja- no. yeah, that's the Japanese one. <laughs> the Super Star Wars the, games were known as being the hard as hell. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, all our PlayStation buddies, you should hit that up and play it. Nice. Uh, and, uh... Well, I had a couple uh, things here. Yeah, well, excuse me one second. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I do want to see before we leave the gaming news. This is what oh, I yeah. love about, um... We've, we've talked on... You know, I'm sure we'll talk about Battlefront here and there. And I, I've gone back and forth so many times. Am I going to buy it tomorrow? <laughs> what am I doing? And, um... I made the... My, I think this observation I had earlier totally sums it up. Is like the responsible gamer in me is like, no, it's not worth sixty dollars. There's not enough content here to justify it. You're better off waiting for a sale. But then the Star Wars fan in me says, shut the fuck up and just buy it already. <laughs> you know, and that, <laughs> right. that's the thing. I think I think it, for me, I, I think that the fact that it's such a, a Star Wars fan service, I think, overcomes it. But here's here's what I love. Uh, this is from one of the those the subreddits on reddit.com about it. The offline mode is garbage. Add bots to multiplayer. Just why couldn't they add bots in offline mode to multiplayer? Just like the old Battlefront games, the offline missions are garbage. There's two comments. Uh, perhaps you should Google before you shit post. There's an offline bot match mode. And then there's a reply to that. They look like tiny maps and look very different from Star Wars Battlefront 2. 
for the love of God, stop comparing this game. Just go play to Battlefront Two. Battlefronts. I, 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 I get it that they had those held special place for a lot of people, but this isn't that game anymore. I mean, just let no. it go. The the horse is dead. You've beaten it so many times. Well, uh, some people can, just can't be happy. No. Well, no, we're gamers. We're never happy, and we must bitch about it to anyone that'll listen because we That's have a it. we have a platform for it now. That's so it. please. Give me your news. Get me out oh, of this. Yeah, sure. I thought this was kind of interesting. Well, and I was also, I have Cinema Blend liked on Facebook, so of course mm-hmm. it comes up constantly. Um, and they are notorious for clickbait, unfortunately. So, so I actually, many sites are now. They have to be. It's all about the clicks, right? They don't care about what's written. It's just how many. Hey, I'm out of that gets. business. I'm out of that business. <laughs> well, there you go. So I'm glad that you've returned to the light side of the force. Huh. Um,. I don't really mind it. I mean, whatever. It's clickbait. We all see it. If you choose to click on it, that's fine. If you choose not to, whatever. So this was kind of interesting to me. Uh, Robin Williams has it in his will, a special clause that makes it impossible for them to do future Aladdin sequels. Or um, Yes, yes. I, I didn't read about this. Basically, and okay, so you would think, well, how would that even be possible, right? Why would they even do a sequel? If he's dead, well, he, they have enough outtake footage from the other um, Aladdins um, one and two. I th- there's only been two, right? Prince of Thieves was the second there one. There was there was I that think. one, and then there was another direct to DVD one, and then I think I feel like there about. was a, I think there was a third one, but uh, Robin Williams didn't do that. I think that was the one that uh, who does Homer's voice? Is that uh, oh Frank oh, Cas- Frank Casanella? Yeah. I think, think so. he did. He did the uh, the genie because he did it on the TV show as well. Dan uh, Castanella. Okay. okay. Um, or Castellaneta. There you go. Castellaneta. C a s t e l l a n e t a. You were pretty darn Castellaneta. close. Castellaneta. I'm probably still um, wrong. <laughs> I think we know who you're talking about, though. I, I have a okay. feeling. Okay. Um, so yeah, basically they said they that they had enough of that leftover footage that they could make another movie, but because of this clause that he put in his will that they wouldn't be able to um they wouldn't be able to do that. And I thought, okay, why is that? But they actually explained that they don't really go into detail why, but it would be bad for his remaining family. It has something to do with uh financial penalties that they would generate mm. from the income of, of making money off from future sequels. So, I mean, good for him for thinking that out because I mean, I'm sure this is like, to me, this is all just like a yeah. uh, nightmare when it comes to, you know, any of this paperwork or yeah. rules and all this crazy crap. And for, and for those people unfamiliar too, I mean, the whole reason, you know, Williams agreed to do that movie too, is because he wanted them, you know, to not use. He didn't want it to be any like merchandising or sp- stupid, you know, ripoffs of the movie to, for marketing and things like that. And Disney agreed, and then went around and you know had sold the rights. You know, you had your McDonald's toys and a bunch of other stuff yep. that you know basically they threw that right in Robin Williams' face, and that's like you know he was like really pissed with Disney and didn't wasn't going to work with them ever again on that. And I think they, I think they eventually came to some agreement and probably gave him some money and then because I, I mean after the down the road i mean he did this somewhat did repair there that you know the working relationship but it, it's still it's kind of a shitty thing 
Yeah, that really, especially from like Disney, which you would think, I mean, nobody's perfect or anything, but you think Disney would honor something like that. But, you know, they're a corporation like anything else. And how can you make a kid's movie without making toys, right? That's probably what they were thinking. Oh, he'll never notice. But yeah, that's unfortunate. So, but I mean, he's looking out for his family. And honestly, I feel like Aladdin, that ship has kind of sailed at this point. So they don't even make any, it would be what, a 3D Pixar movie now? They don't even make any hand-drawn movies anymore. So what difference would it make, right? (laughs) Right. So yeah. It's 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 always like a mix if it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or it's like... 3D to look hand drawn. Mm, yeah. That's always fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we had another, I had a little snippet here because I feel like last time I talked about it here on the show, I didn't recognize the title. And this is why, because apparently it keeps changing. Uh, <laughs> Promethe- the pre- sequel to Prometheus may have changed title again. It, it was, you know, originally it was going to be called Prometheus something, then it changed to Alien, Alien. Paradise Lost. Yeah. Uh, now it's. Uh, let's see. In re- that was in September. It was reported that, and now it seems they've changed the title again. This was from another recent interview with Ridley Scott. Uh, he referred to the movie as Alien Covenant. Uh, this is actor who was, was asked after how he chooses his projects. He said, "I've got no plan. I go from pillar to post randomly. I have this childlike fascination and thrill of doing it. I was going to be doing what we would be called Alien Covenant, which starts shooting next February, and we were struggling with the screenplay." There and there, then there was a phone call. Somebody saying, "Listen, we've got this thing which is completely written called Martian." And I said, "Huh?" And I speed read it in an hour. And by mid afternoon, I talked to Fox. I mean, da da da. Maybe that. So ah, uh, just ah, uh, gosh, just do it, Lord. Why? Well, I I don't like this. I don't like how it's called Alien already. Because before, when they talked to him, we said, you know, they have this next film, and then the third one in the trilogy would really tie everything together. So I don't. Why wouldn't like you just this. call the first one Alien colon Prometheus then? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I hate this. This is stupid. Yeah, and it's his, kinda... his reasoning is dumb. Yeah, I go from pillar I mean, I, to post I like Ridley... randomly. Yeah, I like Ridley Scott, but I'm starting to wonder a little bit. Just like, you know, I I don't know if we... Did we ever talk about it? I don't know if it's true, but it was rumored that, you know, he the talk of uh, Ryan Gosling would be in uh, um, Blade Runner. No, I don't think we did talk about that. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, let me just look here. Ryan Gosling, Blade Runner. You know what? Um, I think I I think that'd be awesome personally because I mean no, if you ever I have watched, nothing wrong with him. Like if, for instance, if you, ever, if you watch Drive, yes, I, mean, I love that. Movie. So I you know I he wouldn't be quite so quite that dark, but I mean I love that like kind of demeanor and you know, like a Blade Runner as setting, you know. Uh, wow, mm-hmm. apparently, actually, very recently, um, it's apparently he's confirmed that his next big movie is Blade Runner 2. So I guess Holy there, shit. There, there you go. And he is going to be, um, is this is this the continuation of Deckard then? Or? I, I, I think, I think uh, yeah, I think Deckard's still going to be in that, last I heard. And then, oh, like, isn't he hunting Deckard or something because they he leaves with, what's her name? Could something be. like that. I think it's something but like I, that. But I think you know this would be your send off type of thing. You know, have uh, you know then Ros- if they did another one, it'd be just Gosling. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Kind of like yeah. what they need to do with Indiana Jones if they're going to continue it somehow. Shuffle old man Harrison Ford in there, get his screen time in, and 
get them out so that they can have the bookend and then continue on with Ryan Gosling and continue to just remake movies from the 80s. He'll walk on screen <laughs> and go, Chewy. <laughs> I mean, girl from love interest from... Uh, uh, Marion. <laughs> I'm home. I'm not a fugitive. Uh, <laughs> it's the one-armed man. Oh, God. Uh, and so there you go. Back to the news we had saved yes. and not this Rumble. Tell me about what's the MPA doing now on movie downloading. Okay, so again, Cinema Blend. Um, I, this caught my eye because as a younger kid and, you know, in school, I remember a lot of people and myself downloading movies. You know, when you're 14 or 16 years old, don't have a job and don't really have an allowance or anything you're kind of like, oh, here's a way I can get movies, you know, not thinking of the consequences of what you're doing. Because let's face it, there aren't very many when it comes to downloading, at least things that you can actually see affecting the world around you or anything. Like, what's the difference if one person, if I download this movie and, you know, this and the Avengers makes, you know, billions of dollars or millions of dollars or whatever. So basically... From what I understand, the whole gist of this article is that before, as it stands now, the MPAA, which uh, is the um, Movie Picture Association of America, which does the ratings and everything. Or no, they don't. I don't think they do the ratings, do they? I think that's another board. I don't know. I should probably. Uh, No, I don't think. Maybe they do. I don't know. I I think it's MPAA. I don't know. Uh, uh, phone in and give us your answer. I'll look right now. No, the MPA okay. does. There okay, I thought so, but I was very afraid that I just made a terrible mistake, so <laughs> I would yeah. try to redact it. So basically, right as it stands right now, they can go after individuals, but they couldn't really go after um, companies like Facebook if if you were to somehow share to somebody that uh, an illegally download a downloaded movie through Facebook to one of your mm-hmm. friends, they couldn't go after Facebook. They, they can only go after the user. Right, exactly. Um, but if the MPAA gets their way, a president could be sent in which they will have the legal authority to find sites like Facebook accountable for that type of activity. Um, so that's going to force those sites to be tighter on their policies. and Yeah. It's questionable to me how exactly that that is enforced. Like, how do they know that that's what you've done? But I mean, I understand why like movie piracy or well, piracy in general, obviously is a very, um, something that when you're making a movie, something they have to account for the more popular your movie is, the more it's going to be illegally downloaded or, um, made fake copies of or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of understand, but I feel like, how is Facebook responsible for the millions of users they have sharing movie sites or illegally downloaded links or, or illegally um, obtained movie download links? I don't know. It just seems kind of like, I, I guess maybe they're hoping for Facebook, like you said, will crack down on it harder because they don't want to get in trouble. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess so, so yeah, the more when I read through this article, I was like, okay, so they're not really cracking down on this. They're just, <laughs> they're just basically there. It sounds to me like they want money because they're pissed that they're not getting the money they would have got from illegal downloads. 
and they're having uh they they talk about uh movie tube the forces behind the movie tube sites have proven to be something of a hydra for the mpaa <laughs> see what they did hydra avengers mm. As shutting down one site has merely led to threats that more would be created in their place. So to me, it just sounds like, well, yeah, it just sounds like they're frustrated with the people who are able to just constantly make new websites for BitTorrents and stuff like that. And so they're like, well, Facebook's not going to do that. So we'll just go after Facebook. I don't know anybody who shares movies to Facebook or anything like that. The Facebooks or the Twitters. So I don't know how this is going to shake out, but it just seems weird. To, it all just seems really weird to me. So, hmm. But be aware. It's still, still going to be there. It's still going to be there. Yep, I mean, exactly. Oh, no what. excellent. Oh, well, that's our news. That's all our news we have here. That is the We're news. We're all fine here now. I do want to say before we get too far in the grab bag, I did have uh, Graham came to my rescue. Remember last week when I was talking about some shooting game where you could change your color to avoid bullets? Ikaruga. Ikaruga. I-K-A-R-U-G-A. Ikaruga. 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 How are you pronounce it? That's the name of the game. That was it. Thank you, Graham. I was going nuts. His uh, his full tweet said, listening to the Flexpose podcast at lunchtime and shouting the name of the game, Ikaruga, to J.W. Lacey. Wow. If only I could have heard you at the time of recording, sir. Thank you for for educating me and reminding me of what You know, it's funny. I don't remember was. any of this game, but I do remember the art of the two characters that they have out here for. Um like uh, if you do a YouTube search, you'll see a couple of like anime-looking characters. And I remember that. It must have been part of their marketing or something, but I never played the game. See, I think I played this on, gosh, well, it said it was released on GameCube. I don't remember what system I played it on. I feel like I had it, uh, like, maybe it was when Xbox first had, like, their some of their indie stuff, and they had the, the dev made. I don't remember. I had a, I played a demo for it somehow. I don't remember if it was on PlayStation or GameCube, or it was something, but at least I had played a demo on it. It was all craziness, so. <laughs> it's on Steam. Let's see. It's on Steam for ten bucks. Whoo! Pricey. Nope. Not gonna happen. Looks like it's been updated visually a little bit, but that's that's a lot for that old of a game. Uh, let's move on to the grab bag. Uh, okay. Last week, and asked we asked a question, uh, two parter. What were your thoughts on the Warcraft trailer? Uh, how do you feel about uh, embargoes? And you said? Survey says? You said nothing. No. Nope. Really thought you guys would be eager to discuss the embargo thing, but uh, perhaps people just didn't get a time to get a response. You know, I don't. I listen to a lot of shows. Well, I used to listen to a lot of shows, and I definitely didn't submit something every week. So, um, Point with the finger and the thumb. Yes. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so... We don't have anything to share with you on that, but we did get a question this week, again from Graham. He sent us an email, which you can too. The show at flux2pose.com. Hey, I and I quote, "Hey, flux the dudes. I know I'm slow in replying about this particular subject, but I wanted to put in my thoughts following a recent discussion with a work colleague. Remastered games. Oh. 
Journey on PS4, remastered from the PS3, is superb and works fantastically well. Also, so does The Last of Us. These are examples of games that translate well, better textures, faster load times, etc., etc. For me, some games do not work so well. Example, I bought the remastered God of War games, 1 and 2, for the PS Vita recently. These games on PS2, for me, were just utterly perfect. All those years ago. Replaying these games in 2015 was just torture. Checkpointing was terrible, and the combat felt really slow and cumbersome. I'm playing the Uncharted Collection, and the mechanics of the scripting gate, of the scripting grate on me slightly. I keep waiting to trigger the story events, if you follow. Can you really go back to these old games, or will you always remember them with rose-tinted memories? This is potentially a hot topic following the backwards compatibility release for Xbox One. Is it really going to be used, or is it a nice bullet point for press ads? Discuss. From your number one, Cheeky Nando. I love his little signature, sent from my <laughs> Apple Newton. Yes, that's impressive. That thing I, got Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah. Wi-Fi, nice. brah. Come on, brah. Uh, um, okay, so I understand what he's saying, like the scripting and the story events. So can you go back to these old games? I I think for a lot of I like it's it's the rose it's the rose tinted memories the rose tinted glasses personally because mm-hmm. the games that I I remember fondly and I go back and play them uh, there's a reason I'm not playing them you know it's just like they they forever be great to me but not necessarily everyone else just like how there's these people that keep going back to Battlefront and they love Battlefront and Battlefront two but if I try to play Battlefront two I go this game is shite yes you know, it's it's just what it is so. I would agree. Well, as but, somebody who had never played the Uncharted collection before, yeah, I think I would. I would definitely want to play that 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 new version of it. Same thing with like The Last of Us. I would want to play that PS4 version. But but here's the thing: I I played the first one, or I started to play the first one, and I totally agree. Though, even though I had never played it, I found that like it's a really strange combination because you have these like puzzle elements through the level. But then there's points where you will have enemies coming at you from kind of a set piece type situation where they'll come mm-hmm. through a door and you're in the middle of a courtyard or something like that. They're not placed throughout the throughout the um, level. And it was kind of annoying to me. Like I really found the parts where you're supposed to be shooting and then probably getting like the action part of the game. It was really more just kind of like, Oh, when can this be over? Because I, I didn't really care for the, the um, mechanics. Like I didn't mind a little bit of it, but like knowing that eventually you're always going to come across a group of enemies and have to like, all right, I'm going to go through this fight for five minutes so that I can get to the next part that I actually care about. I can see why no matter when you play it, how many times you've played it, that might bug you um that that's mm-hmm. uh the mechanic of the game like those games that require outdated mechanics because that's just how they were coded or that was like the idea of that game like how, you can't really get around that no matter what yeah so you think is it just you know how far we've come in terms of game design since that point, because at the time, it, you know, it was looked at much more fondly, but now it, that's sort of been played out. It's been overused. Yeah, well, and I'm sure there's people who it didn't bother at all, but I, I think it is just kind of like there's those genres that basically demand forward progress 
And once that happens, it's hard to go back. Like first person, first person shooters, for instance, I feel like they're probably the number one uh, uh, technologically advanced demanding game. Like we need the next crisis or whatever to come out so that we can stop playing our old games that are all crappy and stupid. Um, like it would be hard to go back to play a game where you had to pick up your ammo by pressing or by like running over it and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, like, well, like Unreal Tournament or something like that. Yeah. Where it, it's just kind of all arcadey and stuff like that. Like FPS is used to be. So, I mean, I, I do agree that that it doesn't always translate well. I find I, mm-hmm. I actually kind of agree mostly with the idea that some of these games that were released on the last generation almost at the tipping point would benefit from being re-released at, on PS4 and Xbox One. Because to me, that just is kind of like a delayed multi-generational release like any other game would do. I don't really think mm-hmm. of it as a remaster at all. Okay. So. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, what I'm basically saying to just sum it up is that to just slap on like HD textures and a higher resolution on an old game that has old fashioned um, gaming mechanics. Like, okay. So like what we're probably going to see with Twilight Princess HD, for example. Yeah. Or like Resident Evil. They, mm. um, that, that's a great example, actually Resident Evil, because if you remember playing that game, it has the tank controls where you had to press up to go forward, no matter which direction yep. you were facing. I'm pretty. If I remember correctly, they changed that. If you wanted to go to a more standard, uh, yeah, I think there was like a t- options toggle or something for that. Yeah, exactly. But could you imagine if they didn't do that in the remaster? I don't think it, most people would have people who missed out on the opportunity to play the first one the first time, and people now yeah, who tank who are controls. Yeah, the tank controls. It's just like you might not think of it at the time you buy it, but then you go to play it and it's just like, oh, that's right. Oh, horrible. So that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Uh, It's different when it's done with love and care. And it's kind of different when you can tell it's like, let's make some money. You know? Yeah. I I feel like there's a a different in your quality of the, the remastering, you know, like for instance, look at like Grim Fandango, which was basically unplayable on these modern systems. And they went back and, Redid that gave it HD textures to match, you know, remastered the soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, got it actually working on. And with something like that, you know, all the original artifacts and data and files were gone, you know, they had to like pull and try to, you know, find everything. And so, something like that, that's a cool project to see happen. Just like uh, I really liked the, uh, the Monkey Island one we saw too. Yeah, for Monkey Island one and two, we saw those mm-hmm. cool remasterings done of those games. Which I think helped introduce it to a new audience. Well, and it's I mean, taking it, it from two D to three D, so that helps. And plus, I mean, it's a dead genre, too. I mean, adventure games are definitely not as popular as they once were. So in right. those cases, I mean, things like that are good. You know, I think that's really cool. Um, or I, I mean, I always say it like uh, I'd say like the Wind Waker HD is is a superior product than the Wind Waker. Yeah, that that was actually really cool. I when I watched you play it. I didn't want to play it on the Wii because I was like, I know it could look like this, and now and now I come home and it looks yeah. like this, so it's harder to get yeah. back. Yeah, 
Now, when it's, I think, I feel like it's so, it's a lot difficult when you have a game that was just out on PS3 and all of a sudden there's a remake for it on PS4 when it's really not much has been done to it. You know, it's just like, oh, here's this game again. Buy it again. Oh, but now you can buy all the other games. And see, that's why I, that's why I think, I do think it's okay, but it just depends on if, like, well, with, I I think with um, a lot of them, like The Last of Us, they don't really tell you that they're going to remaster it until you've already bought the PS3 version. Mm, yeah. And so then, I, then I'm just like, really, I don't want to buy it twice. But if I missed out on it, I'd be glad that I bought it on the PS4. Right. Oh, yeah. And then, so. then you get all the other games in there too, and you're like, oh, that's great. I mean, just like you had uh, Gears of War. I mean, recently you just got, you know, got the yeah. version of the original, which I mean, it's how old now? So, ah. Uh. It's a conversation that we've we've had before on the show, and it will keep coming up because remastering and remaking and rebooting is a trend, and not just video games, but Hollywood's doing the same thing. So, yeah, we have that episode that's an entertainment trend. We have that episode that's literally named HD Remaster, I think, because we talked about um, like Homeworld. I think was one of them, and then there was another one being remastered. So, I'm sure we shared even more of our opinions on that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, go back and listen to that. Uh scrolling uh Facebook here really quick, I did see some uh recent headlines pop up. up. Apparently Uh-oh. apparently Matthew McConaughey has been offered a villain role in Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I bet he's Randall Flag. Randall Flag. Yeah, IMDB has reported this and it looks like also Variety has. So yeah, I can't think of who else like I mean, because what you have Randall Flag, but it was, gosh, I, I'm a little rusty on my Dark Tower, but it was Randall Flag was well, Randall Flag was the Man in Black, wasn't he? Yes, he played. But then he was multiple. He was the um the spoilers King's... for if you haven't read uh <laughs> yeah the books, but yeah he was the okay, Spider so King's who... left hand man, I believe. If I you've read that, but... you've read oh the Crimson King. Right. Crimson so King, you've yeah. you've read you've read all, you've read the books or have you not? Yes, or? I've read all of them. So who was who was actually there at the tower waiting for him? But that was the Crimson King, right? Randall Flag was his associate, but the Crimson King was the actual. He was yes, like the crazy that king was that was another, there at the. Yep, and then they fought. Mm. Okay. It, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, he it's was. Been, he was like it's the, been probably six or seven years since I finished read that. So he was like the shadow, um, um, arch nemesis or whatever. That uh, okay. appeared to be the bad guy at first, but then as you got to know him, or got to know the story, I believe he was basically there to like slow him down and keep him from um, kind of reaching it, getting too quick, getting there too yeah. quickly, or anything okay. like that. Um, I will say this though: all right, all right, all right, let's go to the dark <laughs> tower. <laughs> uh, this is the variety. Our variety article says that Sony wants him to play Walter Paddock, aka the Man in Black. Yeah, I called it. So I, I thought the... I thought the the movie adaptation was dead though. So this is interesting. They just they just need to freaking make it already. Uh, says yeah. he's just received the script. He's not yet decided whether he will star. Well, uh, Paddock is a demonic sorcerer who Roland the Gunslinger pursues in the first book. The character first appears in the stand and goes by the name of Randall Flag. Yep. The character Mc- McConaughey was also offered to play. The Gunslinger was will be the first in a series of films. Uh, Nikolai Arsel is the directing the movie, which is currently set to bow on January thirteenth, twenty seventeen. I feel like it's going to be hard for us to actually watch the entire series because they'll probably 
probably break each book into like four movies. Oh so gosh, it'll, yeah. It'll take forever to get through them. Actually, this is the one like this is the few uh like a few examples of I actually think they would probably have to do that at least with the last couple of books cuz they are quite yeah. long. Yeah. Oh yeah. Looks like uh the Gunslinger 2 has already been adapted to screenplay by Akiva Goldsman and Jeff Pinkner. Uh, Gold, Goldsman and Imagine Entertainment's Brian Grazer, Ron Howard, and Erica Huggins will produce, while Pinkner will executive produce. Uh, funny enough, I'm also looking through here, it looks like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with um, who uh, Stephen King's book, 112263, which is like a time-traveling book. It has something to do no. with uh, you know, the Kennedy assassination. Apparently Hulu uh, has uh, made that into like a some of mini series event. I think I remember like somebody was talking about like maybe on Twitter or something was talking about they were reading it or something and said it wasn't actually, hmm. it wasn't that bad. Okay. And I forgot to mention this during the, the show as well, but uh, this week is actually is like the huge week for uh entertainment. You've got on Friday, you've got Jessica Jones hitting Netflix and the rest of the uh the man the man in the high tower uh series hitting uh, Amazon. There you go. And and you can Pick up a Falco amiibo if if you want that too. So <laughs> buy me one, get two mine's, the small. Mine's pre-ordered. Oh shit! See, oh, that's shit. the one thing that I you didn't have to hesitate on. You said, <laughs> "Well, I'm yeah, buying yeah, that shit it, up because it's it's only thirteen dollars." <laughs> you should have bought like twenty of them so you could be one of those people. Scalp who that. Like, mm, get all the Falcos in the Grand Rapids area. <laughs> you kind of sounded like Michael <laughs> McDonald. Never. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he does. He does that voice. He does yeah. that ridiculous voice. All right. Uh, let's do it. Let's get out of here. The Red Wings uh, won. The Lions won. Today's happy. This is happy Sunday, Monday. All right. That's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux to Post. Please join us next week when we will do this all over again, and we will talk once again about Star Wars remastered games somehow and other weird things. So <laughs> on behalf of Lucas and myself, good night and Godspeed. Thanks for all, thanks for oh. all the fish.